0: Welcome to the Elmo Adore's Difference Podcast!
1: You're listening to the Elmo Adore Difference, a podcast that gets people from all walks of life to share powerful ideas and spread good vibes. My name's Elmo Adore Jr. and I'm a young Filipino passionate about the individuality every person can bring to the table. And I'm talking to unique people about how they see the world and how to make a difference. Joshua Void. He's 25 years old. He's from uh, Canada, Quebec, where where before he lived in Washington, D.C. And now he's currently studying uh, archaeology and uh, we are going to talk about a lot of things that he believes. And Joshua, I want to start with a question: Is morality subjective or objective?
0: I believe, uh, actually, I don't even sense, I don't think it's even a sense of belief. I think that morality in itself is subjective. That everything that morality stands for is based on the subjectivity or the relativity of the other person. So. Everybody has a different moral compass compared to each other. So, henceforth, if that is the truth, then subjectivity is the way to go.
1: Okay, but then uh, I would start asking you, uh, do, does you, do humans have human rights? Well, that's the thing.
0: Humans do absolutely have human rights because based on my subjectivity alone... I do agree that humans should have human rights. But does that mean that everybody needs to agree with me? Absolutely not. Not everybody needs to agree with my point of view nor my standpoint.
1: Okay, so uh, if your own subjectivity is your standard for your own morality, then that would mean that your morality is utterly... Well, uh, I would uh, say this in the term meaningless. It would have no value because it is socially constructed, and it would be be super or it would be permissible.
0: Uh, actually, I don't necessarily think that that would be the case because if you're looking right, there's two different types of subjectivity there's subjectivity based on the individual and subjectivity based on a collective so an individual who goes and spreads his idea or his or her idea to other people and those people actually follow those type his type of rules and his type of of ethics and values they would be a group collective based on this individual or group of individuals subjectivity so
1: Yeah, Um. well, in the case that there's an individual or a collective, that wouldn't change the fact that it's all socially constructed. You know, like, for example, if I were an individual who, who out of my own subjectivity, subjectivity I would say that all humans have no human rights and it would be no problem for me to murder all of them, then even the, the subjectivity of the collective would have no power over my own, because it would simply be more of a, a fascist and they're imposing their own beliefs on my own subjectivity.
0: Okay, I see I see your point definitely. But the thing is is that that's why that we we create these laws because laws are based on objective but the thing is is that those objective realities based on laws are based on the subjectiveness of, let's just say, the government or the people who are putting those laws in. And these laws constitute the objectivity within a set nation. So that individuals themselves, even though that they do have a realm of subjectivity, they they can't do what they want because the law is there to protect individuals. So that, let's just say, a sociopath or a, a psychopath if they are too, let's just say, gone, in a sense, if they do attack somebody, they will be upheld to the, to the full extent of the law.
1: Okay, then uh, in that case, there would be no inherent value to human life because it is simply socially constructed out of your own subjectivity. And then, in that case, it would mean that any government... That, for example, the Nazi government that imposed the Holocaust, they would be right in their own subjectivity because it was the collective who imposed uh, what they would do to the Jews. So, it's, yeah.
0: I I see your point. I really do. I see your point. And when you look at this, this is, and as I said to me myself, I find that that was monstrous but as you stated because it's just me it's useless and that the only time where it can be actually um uh what i would call a subjective uh, collective or su- uh, subjective co- uh, collect uh, collectivity i would state is when a group of individuals realize that that's wrong and when they realize when that's wrong even though that it's based on the collective and it's not actually based on the objective, because in reality, even though that I could see that it's wrong, another person could see that what this individual, the, such as the Nazi government, for instance, they would see that what they did was right. And henceforth, no matter how I look at it and no matter how I see it, in the end, they believed what they wished to believe and based on that subjectivity on their part they were they thought that they were right doing what they did so if i'm to stand there and say like i can say oh that is morally and ethically incorrect but i'm just one person so and just like how any other one person could say that that their, their uh, standpoint is useless but when you start building a collective based on these type of ideas then you actually start gaining weight
1: yeah but uh the fact is that the weight you're talking about is ze- zero when you add it to hundreds of zeros is still zero uh, zero multiplied by a million zeros is still zero and that's what happens when uh, the collective uh, the the subjectivity of individuals is, is is formed into a collective, and so there would be st- there would still be no value in uh, their own uh in their own process of finding what is right and wrong, and that was that is why, for example, if there were uh, a million Nazis that formed a collective, then they would still be in the right as a, in a, in the subjectivity of a collective, and so. Uh, That is why it becomes a cultural thing where uh, morality is different from culture to culture. But then that would mean that if morality is simply relative to one's culture, then it's simply permissible. Like There is no inherent thing out there in the the universe that would stop you or or in the desert that would stop you from killing another person. If it's just permissible,
0: you're you're 100 percent correct. And in a sense, that is the case. Like if you're out in the ocean, for instance, and this stuff actually does happen, individuals go missing constantly on cruises, thrown overboard, killed and then thrown overboard. And nobody knows anything of what happened to the individual so whoever did these type of things and did these type of actions out in the open sea they're kind of okay so even though what they did in the way that i look at it is horrible it doesn't matter because they were able to do it and they were able to get away with it and the individual who lost their lives it is sad to say that they had to lose their lives in that way that's just the way that i see it and that's why As you stated, the only thing, but the the reason why I say that the collective has weight to it is because when you have more people able to look at these other individuals who are doing something that is quote unquote wrong, which in reality, there, there really isn't a quote unquote wrong. Like if you look at the animal kingdom, for instance, the animal kingdom doesn't have a right or wrong. And we came from that. So in a sense, we are the ones that can only hold ourselves back based on the collective uh, ideology that we come up with on how to treat each other, based on the laws that we put to govern our societies. And if we're unable to do that, then all there will be is anarchy.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's basically mora- morality for you then becomes utilitarian because uh, it's just uh, a fabric of that holds society together, which is this the subjective morality that the collective have decided to, to adapt or adopt. And so uh, that brings me to the question is, what makes you as a subjective individual consider something as wrong or right?
0: For and that's actually a really good, good, uh, good question because if we're looking at it, or whatever, is based on how, how the individual. So it's based on nurture and nature. That's that's how I see it. It's based on the two. So the way that you grow up actually has an effect on how you see the world around you and how you how it affects the way that you interact with individuals who you interact with. And also how you sort of put into the criteria of what is right and wrong. And we see this all over the world based on religions, based on uh, ideologies, based on uh, political systems, and everything like that. It's all based on the subjectivity, and it's all based on, as you stated, utilitarianism. Uleter-
1: uh, ul- or... so... Utilitarian. Yeah, okay. So... Um... Now, you've mentioned nurture and nature, and uh, because this is a show about the in- different kinds of individuals, I want to ask, uh, what is your narrative so far in your 25 year, year, years of existence? Like, uh, what journeys have you taken that uh, have brought you to your own belief system right now?
0: Okay, that's actually a good question for me, because I've been through a lot of religions. So I've been through Christianity until I was 14. Then I went to Islam and stayed in that until I was 19. Then went to Buddhism until I was 20, 21, deism for six months, and the rest of my time I've been an atheist so the thing is is that for me i've taken kind of bits and pieces and there are still a lot of things the way that i think i am kind of still affected by the religious experience that i had and i'm not going to say that that religious experience was bad or not it's just that when you've delved yourself into religions it's hard to kind of push those type of ideologies away from you you need time in order to 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 separate these these type of ideologies which have an effect on your mind so for me it's the i've taken bits and parts from christianity i've taken bits and parts from uh islam i've taken bits and parts from buddhism but mostly, what I have taken is a lot of it has come through my own self-growth as well once I separated from religions in general.
1: Okay, then, uh, from because uh, you said you mentioned that, that now you're an atheist, then you, uh, I would assume you would have a naturalistic perspective of the universe. And so being a person who would be have coherent uh value of uh, coherent ideas and uh, beliefs uh how would you relate your accidental uh causality as an individual right now to how you should act as an individual in society
0: that's actually also a good question because for me I've been through a lot of transitions, as I stated. So through each transition, I had different thought processes through those transitions. So let's just say with uh, Christianity and Islam, I was more conservative. I was more, and I'm not going to lie, I was more against gays, against transsexuals, against bisexuals, against all these things which are actually part of the natural world. I was against, because I believed that it was unnatural, because that's what it states within the Bible, and that's what it states within the Quran that these acts are unnatural. People doing these things are not part of the natural world. They are sinning based on their sense of enjoyment of the act. And afterwards, I kind of grew uh, through that. But anyways, I know I kind of digressed from the actual question, so so I am sorry. So I'll jump right on to that question. Uh, how I view myself, my accidental causality, because in a sense, nobody knows when they're truly going to be born. Nobody knows on what time span or time spectrum they would be born. I could have been born in the medieval period. But with the luck of the drawn, with the luck of randomness, I am born in the 21st century or the, tw- the end of the 20th century and in, in, into the 21st century. So... That has brought about a lot of technological advancements, that has brought about a lot of uh, scientific ideologies and also uh, philosophical ideas, new philosophical ideas based on the science that we've come up with. And through those type of experiences, these, (laughs) sorry, my, my voice cracked, these ideas that have come to us right now through science and through philosophy and so on and so forth. Have a huge amount of influence within the nature or within nurture, because for me, my father was actually uh, an agnostic atheist, and for for my mother was a uh, was a Catholic Christian. So for me, I had the world, the point of view of these two points, uh, these two worldviews, and then from there. I kind of, through my own expansion, realized that the way that I was looking at things was not just because I was hurting people. And for me, the way that I grew up with with my mother and with my father was that you don't go around hurting people. So even though this was the subjective collective of the family unit, it was still how I was brought up. And I kind of deviated from that through my uh, Christian and through my Islamic upbringing. But when I went into Buddhism and deism, I kind of went back into that. And that's how I interacted with everybody afterwards. Uh, uh, when I interact with people no matter what they are if they're gay if they're uh, bisexual if they're transsexual or whatever I see it more as a natural phenomenon now than something that people are just doing in order to whatever sin or whatever it might be
1: mm-hmm. yeah so uh, you haven't answered the question of uh, coming from uh, the conclusions of a natural naturalistic universe, uh, how does it affect you as an, how you act as an individual right now?
0: Ah, sorry about that. Yes, I, I did not answer your question at all. I apologize. Um, so, the naturalistic universe, the way how it affects me as a person right now is that I see that there's no need for there to be a god in order for us to actually act nice to each other there's no need for us to sort of uh what 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 could we do how could i say it like for me for instance i see it that the naturalistic order of things has actually a great profound effect on me because i no longer have that fear I no longer have that fear that, okay, I need to be, uh, I need to follow these tenets or else death and hellfire and everything like that is awaiting for me. Now, for me, my number one thing is, is that, yes, is death coming? 100%. Do, do people know when death is going to come? Absolutely not. I can die literally right now as I'm talking to you. But the thing is, is that I'm more content with it. Than in the past, where well, I was more afraid of it, because I was like, Oh, God, now there's going to be hell. Now, for me, I just find it as a as a natural occurrence in life. And there's no reason to fear it. And for for that, it kind of has alleviated a lot of those stresses within me. And I've kind of just learned to, to take it to take it day by day, to sort of be appreciative of each time i open up my eyes i'm kind of like i get to live another experience i get to experience new things whereas beforehand i was actually held back from my experiences based on biblical and quranic
1: narratives mhm okay so uh and but then uh there would be the the uh, I would say you're still living in the bubble of illusions by which uh, past uh, belief systems are have imposed upon uh, our society now for example the idea of a law the idea of of us living in a, a harmonious society uh, if for example if I were if if one were to truly understand that everything is, per, uh, came from uh, an accident then all actions would be part part of the option and the only thing that would stop you from being an evil person would be the the law itself the human uh, laws that society has uh, put surrounded us and so uh for example your motivations for for living and being happy for example why? Why would you be happy? Like, what's the point of being happy? Or why? Why do you enjoy an experience? If you come from a natural naturalistic perspective, then uh, I could just end my life, and it would it wouldn't matter. And if I, if enjoyment of of life is one of the best thing experiences that I could make out of this accident, then uh, well, absolute uh, happiness and joy, or maybe. Uh, inducing chemical uh, happiness ke- drugs or chemicals that would constantly make me have an euphoric experience would be the most uh, valid answer to that. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, the thing is is that you you asked you asked ask a lot of questions, so I'm going to try to hit on all the points. The the first point that I would like to that I would like to take is that life in itself is something that i believe because that's the thing my number one thing is not to force on people and it's sad that people do take their lives but the thing is is that this is where we live today this is the environment that we live today that there are certain individuals who believe that there is no point to life and because of that they think that the best way To or they're hurt or whatever the situation might be to such an extent or they have depression to such an extent that they think that the best way to get rid of that is to end themselves and it's a very to me it's a very sad thing that that happens today but the thing is is that for me life is something to be explored you are always learning and that's how i always take it every day is a learning experience So even though, and you are right, if a person thinks that, okay, well, I'm going to take my life right now. Well, in a sense, that is not anything that's immoral. You have the right to do that. It's a sad thing to state, but you do have a right to do that. Nobody can force you or tell you otherwise. You yourself need to come up with a reason why not to end yourself. And the thing is, is that, and and for me, for instance, I never had those type of thoughts or feelings, or whatever, even when I was a Christian, or even when I wasn't a Muslim, I never thought about ending my life. And definitely now, as being an atheist, I think that life is the number one thing that should be cherished, because life is meant to be explored. Life is meant to be living. The, The amount of individuals who die and i mean like sperm cells for instance there are millions of sperm cells each containing an individual and you yourself has won that lottery you have won existence when in a sense you didn't the the possibilities were one in a million and you won that out and for me, the thing that's sad is that if you won that out and you still, through life, think that the number one best thing for you to do because of the, whatever is going on through your life at that moment, that you think that you should take your life away, is something that I find that's absolutely sad that saddens me because. There's so much to live for. There's so much to explore. There's so much curiosity that's out there. Science is coming out with so much new things that it's actually exciting to be living in this time. And it's sad that there are people who are not going to be here to witness that. And so that's the thing, where you can take a nihilist uh, perspective, for instance, and say that, well, there's no reason to live. And henceforth, if I just want to jump off a balcony right now from my 16th story uh, balcony and, end myself, well, in a sense, I, nobody can tell you not to people can could try to stop you. But it is you yourself who needs to come to terms with is this what I want to do. And nobody else can stop you from doing that except for you. Yeah, not you you in general. I'm just saying, like the general you, the royal you. Now, the thing is, is that again, and you made another good point, is that if there is, uh, so actually, sorry, could you could you make that second point for me, please? And thank you. I kind of yeah, forgot.
1: For example, if uh, happiness is the uh, the the ultimate pursuit of life, for example, as you say, it's uh, exploration. Happiness, the joy of experience, then the best option would be to maximize it and to constantly induce yourself with uh, chemicals in your brain that could help you or give you the, uh, con- the constant emotion of uh, euphoria. Actually,
0: I don't necessarily think that that's true. Now, by the way, I'm not against people utilizing uh, certain drugs or anything like that. And we actually see through Europe, in instance, uh, for instance, that there are people, because if you take the more draconian law, let's just say, that says you can't smoke anything, you can't take anything or whatever, you see that it actually destroys the lives of these individuals or the lives of these addicts. But in Britain, for instance, in the 1960s, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have been the, uh, the 1950s that Britain actually legalized, uh, I think it was heroin. But the thing is, is that this heroin was actually created in a lab. So it was actually a, a lab-based heroin. So it's, it was pure. And the thing is, is that this heroin actually had no effect on the person. So in a sense, it was kind of like them drinking a coffee in the morning and going out to work. And that was a thing that was mind-blowing to everybody. They were like, how the hell do you get heroin from the street and you end up destroying your body, but now you're having heroin created in a lab or whatever with scientists and, it, it, and it, like a pure sense of heroin, and it's actually not destroying the body at all. And let alone, they are actually able to work and function as normal citizens. This was something that was absolutely mind-blowing at that time. But the thing is, is that what we need to come to terms with is that there are certain individuals who need to take these type of drugs in order to, to as you said, to, uh, to experience this sense of absolute happiness or absolute euphoria or whatever, where in a sense, if we really look at it, there is no such thing as absolutes. We, we want to make an absolute. But there is no such thing as an absolute. And I know that saying that runs into the conundrum of saying that if there's no absolute, then you're actually making an absolute a statement with what you're saying. But in a sense, when we really look at this, absolutes are extremely hard. Actually, let me try to rephrase that. Absolutes are hard to actually see. You can't, it's hard for anybody to point out and say, this is an absolute. You might think that you're reaching an absolute, but you're actually not. An absolute is only within the mind. And everybody has a different sense of what absolute is. So again, absolute is actually based on subjectivity. But anyways, I'm I'm digressing a bit. So what I think is that life in itself is a high. That when you experience life, when you go and you 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 explore the world that's around you, go to Bolivia, go up north to literally Nunavut, or to which I have, I've actually gone up north to Nunavut, and it's a beautiful experience and it's a humbling experience because there's no trees, there's no like literally it looks like you're on a different planet, and. It's the most awe-inspiring thing that you can possibly see. And that's the thing, is that if you experience, and this is the thing, everything is based on moderation. If you go and you just take as much anything as you want, you slowly but surely wish to, to get that high again. And you will never get that sense of high again because you've gone above, you have overused something. But if you use something in moderation, you will never have that feeling of, of, I need to follow this, I need to go above and beyond this. You are actually content, uh, you're actually uh, tranquil within the environment of which you live and the experiences of which you, you are experiencing. So that's why when we look at drugs when we look at just experiencing life in general, These things need to be done in moderation. That's why, like, if you look at the most richest of rich individuals who explore the world and experience everything within a year, let's just say, or within a couple of years, all of a sudden exploration, the fun of exploring is taken away. And even though that they want to relive that moment, they can't. So they keep trying to push the limits and push the limits and push the limits on the exploration. But if you actually explore sort of slow, but in a moderate type, in a moderate sense, then you will never have a feeling of not being fulfilled.
1: Yeah, uh, I like the, the way you put it, that the, the most uh, prop the best way to live life is to live it moderately. But then, uh, when you come to terms with the facts is that it is that, even your own experiences, your own opportunity to grab life at the most, uh, to gra- grab and, and uh, crush it, to crush, crush the juices out of it and maximize all, all the happiness you can get, it would still be utterly meaningless, you know? Uh, you would die and you would d- disappear and everything you have experienced would be nothing,
0: that's actually a very interesting point of view and the thing is is that when you look the experience like your experience is only meaningful to to you so if, if 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 you're experiencing something or whatever and that's why for me i don't look at people who are religious and think oh you're a fool for being religious no, I don't look at people like that. My thing is, is that this is your experience and you believe this experience to be true. Now, uh, or let's just say you, you like the, not you, but the royal you uh, like drugs or whatever. Well, that is you. Who, that, is, that is that individual's experience and everything like that. And you are right. Everybody's personal experience is meaningless. But in in the great screen, it's, uh, the great scheme of things. But the thing is, is that it can be meaningful to you, and, and it can be meaningful to the people who you're talking to. So if individuals really do take a liking to the 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 uh, the exploration that you've done and the knowledge of which you have, then in a sense, you are actually affecting that under, that other individual in a way to make them feel and to make them uh, to see that there's more to life than I actually thought beforehand to that individual. And likewise for the individual who's also talking to, let's just say me as well. That's why I love going on these forums. I love going on these debates and stuff like that is because I learned something new. And, the other, and I hope that I give that... Uh, perspective to the other individual as well. So in a sense, I am actually having some sort of effect on that individual, but it's based on the the connectivity between the two people. That's why I never shove my ideas down people's throats. And I think that that's the worst thing to possibly do. And also when you can say with death, you are 100% correct that when you do die, you are kind of, I don't want to say you're forgotten because you're remembered by your family, but you are kind of forgotten and uh, you're remembered by your friends, but you will slowly but surely be forgotten unless your name is written within the annals of history. You will be forgotten at one point or another. And that is just that it's normal in, in the realm of, of reality. And even a Christian, for instance, or a person who believes in God, yeah, you might believe that you might live forever in another plane of existence, but your name here will be forgotten. Everything that you were here is going to be forgotten in the same instance. So in a sense, I find that we are both kind of in the same predicament. But it's just for me, I don't necessarily mind if my name is necessarily forgotten or not, because my number one thing is through my experiences. And my number one thing is to treat people with respect and with kindness so that they can, uh, so we can have a uh, cordial dialogue.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, let's use a thought experiment, for example, where uh, I'll take your, uh, your premise that li- you have to live life. The best way to live life is to live it moderately. For example, uh, if you were put in a vat where you were where you were given this these experiences—sex, food, taste, breathing, travel, uh, interacting with uh, other people—but then it would be in a moderate way and would give you happiness. But then it would be simply, uh, you know, uh, what you call that, uh, artificial, and uh, for you it would seem real, but it's just. Uh, uh, information injected into your brain. would that what would that be to you? Well, I mean for me, the thing is is that I think that everybody's
0: sense like there are evidences which are out there which could claim, let's just say that my there's more of a reason why why oh, sorry about that, why I'm an atheist or whatever, through the experience, uh, through the scientific methods and so on and so forth. And through also my own archaeological finds and my own archaeological uh, and anthropo- uh, anthropological and historical sort of background, I can understand that they're technically at, or the evolutionary basis of humanity and God in a sense, or, or God and humanity. But the thing is, is that as you were stating, let's just say if I was born in a vat and everything like that, and all these artificial things are put inside my head, you're absolutely right. It would be artificial, but it would be real to that person. It would be real to that individual. And henceforth, it is their reality. So in a sense, it doesn't necessarily matter that it's artificial, just like how a lot of people state, "Well, what happens if this world is an artificial reality? What will you do? Nothing, because in in reality, unless I can hack into this artificial world and literally like spam cheat codes, let's just say, and get myself cars and get myself uh, whatever." Uh, material possessions and get my and make myself extremely happy based on whichever whichever my my necessity is or whatever, and based on helping people and stuff like that, and being making cheat codes against uh, the immor- What I find is the immorality within the world or whatever or certain immoralities in the world. Then one hundred percent, I would love. That to be, I would love that to be an artificial reality, but in in a sense, it's it's kind of nonsensical because we can't use a cheat code. This is our reality. So even if it is artificial, it doesn't matter because it feels real. And if it feels real, then it is real, or whatever, until after you die and you're proven otherwise based on whatever you believe in or whatever your your thought process
1: is. Yeah, then uh, uh, that would be uh, a justification, for example, people in Wall Street who are corrupt and who uh, who make money, take advantage of others. And bec- they take advantage because that is their reality. And so uh, there is nothing controlling their actions. And so uh, the best way for them to live life the easiest or would say uh, using these cheat codes would be to... Uh, push themselves uh, in a position where uh, they would have uh, less problems because they have would have more money, and so uh, uh, would it be would it would it be to you right where what other uh, evil individuals do, because it's just them trying to live the best years of their life.
0: Oh, that's actually a good question. And for me, what I see is that, let's just say with the Wall Street example, right? They automatically, and you're right, there are certain individuals, not everybody on Wall Street is a bad individual, but there are individuals on Wall Street who are uh, what I would claim to be corrupt or whatever. But the thing is, and this is kind of like the thought process that I always had. If you are corrupt, but you're actually helping people through your corruption through, let's just say, uh, uh, the, uh, creating public parks, creating public charities, creating um, schools for, cho- for children who are not, um, who don't have proper education or their parents don't have money, but you're getting your money through a corrupt way then that automatically means that, yes, you are corrupt, but you're using your corruption to help people. So again, does that necessarily mean that you are a bad person if you're corrupt, but you're helping people? Again, it's it's difficult. And there are actually people on Wall Street who do actually uh, do charities, who do promote programs or whatever? Who do actually want to like? They're making their money now, but the thing is, is that they want to die. What what is called poor or whatever? Just like uh, the, uh, not Steve Jobs, but um, uh, what's his name? I forget his name again. Um, the guy who created Microsoft. I forget his name, but uh, yeah, Bill Gates. Exactly. Exactly. He, he's, uh, sorry. he's a billionaire, but the thing is, is that he's going to give his children probably a couple of million and then put everything else into charities and into uh, making the world a better place. So for me, I don't necessarily mind if something comes out and it says, oh, Bill Gates is corrupt, because if you look at all the work that he's done in Africa, if you look at all the work that he's done in certain Asian countries, I kind of see that he's doing something good through his corrupt ways. So you can't necessarily paint it as a black and white scenario. Or scenario.
1: Yeah, uh, but what about the ind- individuals who are corrupt but don't do anything to help the world? Are they good or are they bad? Well, the
0: thing is, is that for them... Because again, for me subjectively, I find that these individuals, I wouldn't necessarily say good or bad. I would just say that these individuals are naive because I see that even though that you accumulate material wealth, the thing is, is that when you die, that wealth is not going to be with you anymore. So no matter what you do, you're, you're kind of uh, you're kind of blinding yourself. Not, it, they're kind of blinding themselves with the thought process of, I need to accumulate more, I need to accumulate more, I need to accumulate more. And then all of a sudden, when they die, or before they're on their deathbed, they're kind of like, I I made... And there are people who actually do snap out of it on Wall Street. Like They're corrupt now because they're kind of young. But when they get older, they're kind of like, I... I need to do something with this wealth. Now, there are certain people who don't and they're able to get away with it. And the thing is, is that it's not based on right or wrong. It's based on that there's something, the system doesn't work properly. And if the system doesn't work properly, there are going to be people who are going to find loopholes around that system. And finding loopholes around a system that is broken doesn't mean that you're that you're wrong or right. It just means that the system in itself is broken and you need to fix
1: it mm-hmm. okay uh, those are good points but then uh, you're still painting uh, a good or bad here because for example if a corrupt uh, co- corrupt man uh, does charity then he's, he's, a, he's a good guy but if he doesn't do charity or uh, he uh, maybe takes advantage of the system then he is sort of uh, a bad guy because he is naive and prevents himself from uh, experiencing what, w- what you would call something, uh, a level of goodness which you can achieve from being uh, h- helpful to the world. And so you're tr- tr- sort of painting a, 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 a heaven and a hell inside your own uh, paradigm.
0: Sorry about that. It just kind of uh, froze on me for a bit. So I couldn't unmute myself. Um, Right. So I don't think that I'm creating a heaven or a hell at all, because the thing is, is that for me, my number one thing is, is there are individuals who are going to do things that are beneficial and there are individuals who are going to do things that are not beneficial for anybody. And the thing is, is that when we really delve into it It's the only thing that can stop these individuals are the uh, are the laws that we put into place. And if their laws aren't there, if the laws aren't there in order to curb these type of uh, thought processes, that the individuals who aren't actually helping out anybody through their wealth, let's just say, Then the thing is, is that it's not based on a heaven or hell experience at all is based on the law. And if the law has loopholes, well, then automatically humans will try to find a way to uh, uh, utilize those loopholes and actually uh, uh, and use those loopholes for their betterment and for their uh, their advantage. So that's just the normal human way of doing things. And we've been doing that throughout our whole existence, about 400,000 years ago till now. So the thing is, is that for me, I don't look at things as black and white or sort of like, this is bad and this is good. The thing is, is what I look at is everything is within the spectrum of gray. And you can be closer to either the black or closer to the white spectrum, but nobody is actually at either the white spectrum or nobody's actually at the black spectrum. Everybody is kind of going about and wanting to live their lives to their best capabilities. And sometimes these individuals uh do things for their own self betterment which is not the the beneficial for the betterment of the whole or the or the betterment of the populace but that doesn't mean that that person is inherently evil or inherently bad or anything like that it just means that these individuals think that this is going to benefit them in the long run
1: okay then uh it's, it's 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 more of uh, what is beneficial to humanity and what is what isn't or what is uh, counter beneficial and so uh, it's still uh, that's why I, I presented earlier that you uh, from a naturalistic perspective what would be your conclusions to uh, to how you would act in reality well uh, I I told you earlier that you are still living in the bubble which the past humanity has created which is the progress of civilization uh, and anything that is beneficial to it is the good thing and the anything that is counterproductive to human existence is closer to the bad thing or ev- even just a. Uh, of the fact that you say that there is sort of a black and there's sort of a white and there's a gray area means that there is a spectrum by which some people are closer to being bad and some people are closer to being good, you know?
0: Okay, yeah, I kind of see uh, where you're coming from that. But the thing is is that maybe I didn't necessarily explain myself uh, properly because the thing is is that what I mean is that everything is based on subjectivity now somebody who helps somebody out for me i find is is a good or i don't want to say good person but their subjectivity is for the the um uh what's it called uh not living standards but they're trying their best in order to help their community but the thing is is that we have constantly seen even in in the past and in history where certain people believe that helping their community is by eradicating another community or trying to eradicate another community. So the thing is, is that a lot of people look at uh, human civilization as progress or constantly progressing. But, and even though that we are, we constantly get sort of like snagged on things that drag us down and actually make us regress. So there's a lot of things where we might think we're, okay, we're heading somewhere, we're heading to progress, but there's always something that makes us regress in, in the long run as well. So if, for instance, the Romans were a great empire or whatever, or a great republic and then a great empire, and they were actually beneficial to their people. But the people who they invaded and the people who fought against them did not have a wonderful experience because they would be put into slavery. They would be put into the mines and be put into people's houses. They would be used as uh, sex slaves, so on and so forth. So the thing is, is that when we really delve into it, the, uh, you might reach for progress, but progress does not correlate with morality and progress does not correlate with ethics. Progress only correlates with and, and I kind of agree with what Karl Marx actually states, is that it's through the economy. That's where true progress comes in. If you have the money in order to put towards a project, a product or a project which then builds up your technological advancements, then 100% you are progressive. But there are a lot of people such as within America, such as within uh, Canada or wherever you go, where they are not following suit on the supposedly moral or ethical, as people call them, progress and everything like that. And because of that, everything is based on the subjective. Because people look at things and state, well, I I'm looking out for my well-being, but I'm not looking out for your well-being. So my number one thing is, is I'm gonna harm you in order to make my well-being Uh, sort of higher in standard or whatever. But at the same exact time, because of progress, and what I'm talking about is economic progress and uh, technological progress, we are still, and don't get me wrong, yes, there are certain moralities, like within the West, for instance, there is no such thing as actual uh, cattle slavery anymore or whatever, even though certain people might state that if you're working for a boss, then you are that boss's slave. But I think that that's actually a horrible example of slavery because slavery is not based on making money. Slavery is based on being abused on somebody who's making money from you. From your labor and from your work, they are making money, but you're making nil or whatever. That's what slavery is. If you're making money, you're kind of within the extent of a... Um, Uh, What would you call it? A a boss employee type of standard and everything like that. But there are certain places within the world, uh, certain Islamic countries, certain African countries, certain Asian countries, which still have a sense of either indentured servitude or still have a sense of uh, some sort of slavery or whatever. And also, if we really delve into uh, even the Western civilization, there's a lot of people who traffic other individuals. So they take people against their will and and through the underground markets, sell these individuals into prostitution and so on and so forth. So still slavery is still a thing. It's just that as a law within the Western society, it's just... Um, it's it's against the law. But there are still uh, hundreds of thousands of individuals who, okay, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but there there are thousands of individuals who are constantly being put within this human trafficking type of situation. And henceforth, again, that sort of shows that humans in general, we're growing technologically, but we're not necessarily growing morally and ethically
1: okay then uh I, this would be this would be the last question um uh with your understanding uh that uh morality is subjective how would an individual make a difference in the world in your own sense oh
0: wow okay that's I, <laughs> that's that's a good question um the way in order to make a difference in the world is by affecting other people around you. Now, that can be, because remember, affecting the world doesn't necessarily have to be a quote-unquote good thing either. You can affect the world in a negative way as well or a quote-unquote negative way. But the thing is, is that in the end, it's based on how you interact with other individuals and that if you're interacting with somebody and you're able to brighten their day, or you're able to to make them uh let's just say happier or build up their well-being in my opinion you are actually affecting the world in a small way and the more so the higher the position that you're in and the more money that you have the more that you can actually affect so if you have more money, you can rise up other individuals well being and you actually affect the next generation of individuals who are being born from these other individuals who might have lived in poverty or whatever. So everything is based on how you interact with the general public. And as I stated, I, I can be interacting with people and they might be like this guy, I don't like him. He's a fraud. He's a this. He's a that or whatever. I can't. Uh, I can't uh, uh, dictate to these to these individuals that I'm doing what I think is the right thing. But the thing is, is that if I'm working with people and those people are like, oh, I've I've found a new perspective, or I've I now think that your way of thinking is a right way of thinking, slowly but surely, we can build a collective, which then thinks uh, what we would call more ethically, even though there is no such thing as more ethically, but we can, we can look at it and it can be ethical in standards and everything like that. So again, it, to make the long spiel shorter is based on the interaction of, of people together that's how you change things and that's how it always is if you're able to inspire people to act if you're able to inspire people to react to something which might be a quote-unquote negative then we could definitely or even a quote-unquote positive or whatever then you are able to influence the world around you subjective
1: yeah so uh that well uh Joshua, that's the end, and uh, thank you so much for uh, all of uh, your your knowledge that you've shared. And uh, I hope some some of the listeners have learned something, and I have myself have learned, and it's awesome. So uh, thank you so much. And so that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host Elmo Ador Jr. and Thank you for listening in, and please subscribe, please follow us on Facebook, please please follow this, please, thanks.